God is so good. He's so good. He's so good. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to join me in the book of Psalms, Psalm 127. And um, typically walk through the Gospel of John and, and uh, pick up the next week where we left off the week before that. But just in light of uh, the unique opportunity and celebration of today, uh, just really felt led to walk through one verse of Scripture uh, that's found in Psalm 127. And, uh, and our theme this morning is unless God, unless God. So um, my kind of my experience growing up, I, I love my dad. I've had a great relationship with my dad. Love spending time with my dad. Uh, and growing up, I mean, I would love to spend time with my dad. But, it, but if I went on a road trip with my dad or went in the car for any length of time, there was a rule in our Dotson 210 as we were growing up. And the rule in that Dotson 210 was, if daddy's driving, we listen to daddy's music. <laughs> so if he's driving, it's his music. And so uh, as I grew up, I probably knew way more music from the 60s than I did my own generation growing up. But, but as I grew up, uh, I, uh, I, I kind of came into my own as far as like what music I liked. And, and my generation was the generation of uh, if you really liked a song, but it's hard to get your hands on the song, you get a jam box and you sit that jam box out and you listen to the radio until that song comes up and then you're there to press play and record at the same time so that you can catch that song when it comes in. And uh, we're not going to ask for a show of hands, but I wonder how many have made that mixtape in their life, right? And just wanted to, pass. okay, I see those hands. All right, we're, we're doing it. All right, so, so we get that. But think about the, the, the evolution of music, right? From the eight tracks to albums to cassette tapes, CDs, iTunes. And then now, I mean, you just pick out, you know, take your phone and just click the button. And with the click of the button, you have your favorite song or, or, your, or your playlist. Your playlist that maybe you, you run to or you like to drive to or you work out to, whatever that is. You got your, your playlist and this this song. You can just listen over and over and over again. And, and what I love about the Psalms is the Psalms are a book of songs. They're a book of songs and they're a book of prayers. That word Psalms means a sacred song or a sacred hymn. And these were sacred for the people of God, and they're sacred to us today. And in Psalm 127, uh, in the book of, of songs, there is a specific playlist within the Psalms from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. They're kind of, they're in the book as a whole, but they're set apart. And if you look at it right above the title or somewhere around there, it may say Song of Ascents or Psalm of Ascent. And if you look at 120 through 134, you'll see that Psalm of Ascent all the way through. And the reason why it says Psalm of Ascent is because Psalm 120 through Psalm 134 was the playlist that Hebrew pilgrims would listen to and that they would sing to and that they would pray to as they made their way up to Jerusalem to the, to the festivals. There were the three great festivals that the Jewish people in the Old Testament celebrated. And so whenever, wherever they lived uh, all through Palestine, uh, no matter where you were, as you were making your way to Jerusalem, you're always going up because Jerusalem is the mountain city. And so no matter where you were, you're ascending 
to the mountain city to worship the Lord at the temple there in Jerusalem. And so they would sing these songs of ascent, these psalms of ascent. And with this, I love what Eugene Peterson says. He says, the psalms were the primary way that Christians learn to pray about everything they live and to live everything they pray. From wherever they were to the Mount City of Jerusalem, it was a journey. It was a road of discipleship that from wherever they were, there would be, uh, there would be danger, there would be joy, there would be kind of mountaintop, hilltop experiences, there would be the valleys of the shadow of death, there will be everywhere in between. And as they're going, their faith is being stretched as they are on their way ascending to the mountain city to worship the Lord. And it was by singing these psalms and specifically Psalm 127, the one that we're going to look at this morning, they would sing it over and over and over again. And I love the fact uh, that as a church, we're a multi-generational church. We got, we, got, we got young, 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 and we have older, 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 or more mature, more mature, more mature, right? And, and, and everywhere in between. And what I love is that whether you were a kid, whether you were a preteen, whether you were a teenager, whether you were a young adult, whether you were a median adult, a senior adult, wherever you were in that, in that age range, you sang these songs together because on the journey, you needed the promise of God to lead you and to guide you each step of the way. Every single one of us that are here this morning are on a journey. We're on a journey. And if we had time to testify, we would all be able to say that there's been the highs and there's been the lows and we've been through it all. But I thought today was fitting that we would look at Psalm 127 because what God does through this psalm, and even the first verse, which is all we're going to dig into this morning, is we see encouragement and we see a warning. We see an encouragement and we see a warning. And so in Psalm 127, verse 1, the Bible says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. That unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. In your Bible, if you're reading along, you might also see this is Solomon's song. Solomon, King Solomon wrote this. King Solomon was the son of King David. King Solomon was a king. He was powerful. He was a ruler. King Solomon was also a daddy. This Psalm of 127, it really is all about building your family. If you read all the way through those few verses, you will see the, the, the wisdom that God is giving us on building our family on the foundation of Christ. But he wasn't just a king and wasn't only a father. He was also a master builder. Now, some of y'all in this room right now, if somebody gave you some wood, a hammer and some nails, y'all can make something awesome. And then there are others like me that if you hand me a hammer, nails and some wood, I'm going to I'm going to break a finger or something. <laughs> it's, not, it's not going to end well. But 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 Solomon, King Solomon was a master builder. He had a passion and even an aggression in building. God allowed him to build the temple in Jerusalem, what we call Solomon's temple. He built it for seven years and he didn't just stop there, but he built multiple houses for himself. He even built cities. 
And so he was a master builder, and yet in all of the building. And when his building had kind of wrapped up, God visited Solomon and he gave him a word of warning. And I think it's, it's important for us to hear this word of warning this morning. So again, God through King Solomon is warning, encouraging us, unless the Lord builds it, those who build it labor in vain. But God gave Solomon a warning in 1 Kings chapter 9. I want to read 1 Kings chapter 9. And I want to read the first uh, nine verses. The Bible says this, As soon as Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house, and all that Solomon desired to build, the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time. And as he had appeared to him at Gibeon, and as the Lord said to him, I've heard your prayer and your plea, which you have made before me. I've consecrated this house that you may have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. Verse four, and as for you, if you will walk before me as David, your father walked with integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I've commanded you and keeping my statutes and my rules, then I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever. And so as I promised David, your father saying, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. But if you turn aside, if you turn aside from following me, you or your children and do not keep my commandments and my statutes that I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them. Then I will cut off Israel from the land that I have given them and the house that I have consecrated for my name. I will cast out of my sight. And Israel will become a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And this house will become a heap of ruins. Everyone passing by it will be astonished and will hiss and they will say, Why has the Lord done this to this land and to this house? And then they will say, Because they, uh, they abandoned the Lord their God who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore the Lord has brought all this disaster on them. It's a sobering warning that God has graciously given King Solomon. We know according to scripture that apart from Christ, that King Solomon was the wisest person that ever walked the earth. But we all know there's a big difference in having wisdom and knowing wisdom and living wisdom and practicing it. And so for Solomon, he had all of the wisdom in the world. But if you were to fast forward the tape of his life and you get to the very end, what you will see is a king that had turned his heart away from the Lord, that he had gotten distracted on things that are vain and everything that he built ultimately became ruins. Think about the temple. Think about the cities about his homes that that he lost it all it all became rubble why because Solomon who wrote Psalm 127 verse 1 perhaps forgot and lost sight of what God has said and so as we see King Solomon and we see this testimony of his life but we see Psalm 127 verse 1 there is there are some major questions that will be good for us to ask. And the questions are this, what really matters in life? And what ultimately lasts in this life? Those are great questions 
to always keep in front of us what really matters in life, what really lasts. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. God is a builder. He is a creator. He is a designer. He's created every single one of you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible says. God doesn't mess up. He doesn't uh, have duo like God created you and he designed you with a purpose. God is a builder. You think about Christ and prior to his earthly ministry kicking off, the son of God, God in the flesh was a carpenter. He was always a builder. And in his design in us, he has created us to be builders as well. But maybe not so much with hammer and nails and wood, but rather building our lives and building our families and building his kingdom in a way that brings glory and honor to him. There's two quick points of application I want to make this morning. And that is simply this. May we never lose sight of who or what we are building our life on and who or what we are living our life for. Solomon has warned us. God has warned us through Solomon. We see the proverb of Solomon's life. Unless the Lord builds it, in other words, unless God is in it, and if it is for God and is through God, those who build it labor in vain. Solomon was a go-getter. And, and, and maybe you are as well. He was, he was, uh, he was the type to kind of get a sense to kind of get, get after it. And just whether it's building or whatever it is, just kind of go, 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 go. But his doing has, had outpaced his being. His, out, his doing for God outpaced his being with God. And by the way, that's just a big red flag. Is that when our doing and our serving and our going outpace our being with God, it's a major red flag. Because for us in this room, we are possibly pursuing fulfillment. And that fulfillment we are pursuing is not in our fulfillment of Christ, but in things we think that are going to fulfill us. We chase after achievement. We chase after success. We chase after a career. We chase after building a business, building a name, perhaps building retirement. And I'm saying all those things are good and, and right in the right place and in the right order. Because when those things become the priority, we become distracted and we lose sight of God's design for our lives. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.11. He says, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So if you, if you, unless the Lord builds it, the, those who build, they build it in vain. Vain is a word that Solomon used a lot. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, used it 22 times. The word vanity or vain means empty. It means empty. It means fruitless. It means faithless. He even says vanity and vanity. All is vanity. And he wrote it in a very dark season of his life. And so may we find our fulfillment and our joy in yielding our lives to the Lord and to his spirit and building our lives on his unchanging word. Paul says this. It's a great reminder for us. Colossians 1.16. If you ever wonder why you're here, if you ever wonder what your purpose is, you ever wonder what where meaning is in life? Paul says this, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and 
for him. What Solomon is saying is we cannot succeed without the help of the Lord. And there are very few things that are going to pass on and last into eternity. That's why you never see U-Hauls behind hearses. Because you can't take it with you. People and God's word are the two eternal things that we see and experience in our life right now. And Solomon is reminding, if you are building your life and seeking your, your fulfillment in anything other than the Lord Jesus himself, you're building in vain. It is empty. It is fruitless. It is void. I love what Jesus said. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so here are three quick questions that I think are great questions to reflect on if you get a chance, even through the week, to reflect. First question is this, how has God most gifted you to meet the needs of others? How has God most gifted you to meet the needs of others? I will be the first one in the line to say, like, the whole gifting thing, I, I don't feel it, don't sense it, like, but here's the thing, God says you are. Gifting looks different in different people. Some are more out front. Some are a little more behind the scenes. But God gifts every believer to build up the church, to build the kingdom. And so the question is, how has God most gifted you to meet the needs of others? The second question is, how am I exercising those gifts according to God's plan for my life? Because God has a plan for your life. He wants to use your life for his glory and for his mission. That is his desire to use you, work through you, by him, for him, through him, for him. It's all for him. A third question is this. Am I trying to build something that God doesn't want me to have? We even think about King David. You're familiar with his story. King David wanted so badly to build the temple. He wanted to build, he wanted to build, he wanted to build. He couldn't quite understand why he couldn't build it. But the thing was, that wasn't God's plan for David. It was God's plan for Solomon. And so sometimes we want things and we strive for things, but it just, it just, uh, but here's the thing. God has a plan for your life. And so are we seeking to build our lives for God and something for him that he wants us to have? And so whether you are a child who has just recently trusted in Jesus, or a student who is striving to live for the glory of God in the stage of your life, or a young adult, if you're just trying to work through it all and figure it all out and you want to honor the Lord, or, or, or again, whatever stage of life, meeting all, all, all the way through, here's the encouragement. God has a plan for your life, and He wants to use your life as you build your life on Him and to be a light. And so I'm reminded, even as we were able to celebrate these baptisms today, what a, what a sweet, unforgettable moment. And for some, and for many, believers in the Lord Jesus, you, you accept Jesus Christ, you repent of your sin and place your faith and trust in Him, we're saved by faith, by grace, through faith in Him. That, that act of baptism, that's an act of obedience once we've been baptized. And so it's a testimony of, uh, it's an outward testimony of what Christ has done for us in our life. But for, if we're not careful, like the baptismal waters, we can think of it as like the finish line. Like, all right, made it, made it. But here's the thing, is this is just like the start. Like there is an adventure ahead. 
And as a believer, we live in the adventure of living for his glory and living for his mission. And that the adventure is just getting started. And so as they build their lives on Christ and for those being baptized, let me encourage you. There are many things the world will tell you to build your life on, but but build your life on the truth of God's word and his faithfulness. And he will be faithful to guide you and you will be absolutely fulfilled. And then I, I even think about like this, this new carpet is down here. And and uh, but there's a there's an old hymn called Standing on the Promises. Uh, it's a great song uh, standing on. I'm, I almost started singing. I'm going to spare y'all for that. But standing on the promises. Did you know right now you are sitting on the promises? You're sitting on the promise. You were standing earlier. Why? Because before this carpet was laid, there was bare concrete. And we put boxes of markers out here. And we just said, hey, come in. Write prayers. Write scripture. And so right now, all over this scripture, or all over this floor, there's scripture and there's prayers. I remember I had the, the blessing to be able to, right before it was laid down, to just be able to come in. And I would just, for hours, I would just walk around and I would just read them. And I heard parents praying for their kids. And I heard kids sharing their favorite verses through their writing. I saw moments of being married right, right down here. Like all over, like all over this platform. But the, like, like the scriptures are, are covering this place. Because we want to build our lives. We want to build our lives on, on him. Because apart from him, all is empty. All is vanity. All is vanity. And so... This first practical area of unless the Lord builds it, the builders labor in vain. The first area of application is by God's grace, may we build our lives and may we build our families and may we build our homes. And I encourage you to read the rest of Psalm 127. What Solomon is talking about is building your home on Christ. Psalms are wisdom literature. He's get, God is giving us wisdom. And so building lives and building families. And the second is building the kingdom. The kingdom of God. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And when I say build the church, there is one person who builds the church, and that is God. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Peter had just said, had confessed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus says to him in that moment, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. The rock is his confession that Jesus is Lord. He says, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Christ builds the church. He's the builder. But here's what's amazing. God wants to use us, his church, to build his church. This is, this is a building that we are in. We call it a church, but you are the church. You know that. People who have been redeemed by God's love and his grace. Like, you're the church. We are the church. And Christ builds the church. And he wants to build the church through your life. He wants to use you. He wants to use your life. I mean, we could change carpet every month. And we could put a fresh coat of paint on this room. And that'd be really hard to do every, every month. And we could replace every brick on this campus, which is a lot with a new brick. But here's the thing. New carpet, fresh paint, and a brick doesn't build a church. Christ builds his church, and he builds his church through us. 
We are, think about this, we are God's plan A. There is no plan B. And God is faithful to carry out plan A through our lives. And so I included in your bulletin, in your bulletin there's a handout, and I hope you're able to, to, to get one. If not, please grab one on the way out. But we're going we're gonna to wrap up in this way. We're going to wrap up in prayer. And, and here are just a couple of prayer points that I wanted to share that, uh, that I want to invite us as a faith family that we would commit to praying for. There's six. Obviously, there's so much more we can pray for and pray about. And specifically, uh, these are six kingdom prayer points. And I invite us to, to pray them. On the back, you'll see kind of our mission, who we are, and, and how we go about living our mission and our values. But on that, on that back side, you will see prayer points. I want to read through them real quick. One manifest presence. What are we talking about? We are praying that God would make His presence so known in our services that there is no mistaking that God is at work. That God would do so, something so big in our midst that, that no man could take credit for it and only God could get the glory for it. A second is that we would delight in His Word. That we would have a hunger and thirst for His Word, like more than a, a Lay's potato chip. You know, you take one, you kind of want another one, and I want another one. Like, we want the Word. And as we delight in the Word, we will hunger for more of His Word and thirst for His Word. I love Psalm 119, 18. God, open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things of Your law. Third is courageous obedience. Pray that we would be a responsive people ready to step out in courageous faith and obedience as He reveals His will for our lives. This looks as unique as every believer in the room. It looks as unique and, and as... as uh, I want to share the story, but I didn't ask permission, but I'm going to sell part of the story, okay? Uh, it can look like getting a text last night from someone who knows that God is calling them to be obedient in baptism. And they say, I know I need to take that step right now. Looks different for different folks. Courageous obedience. Courageous obedience. And God is faithful. Every person seen and shown the hope of Jesus. We all walk in here different, different uh, experiences. Struggle, loss, victory, everywhere in between. That every single person senses the love of Jesus and has shown the hope of Jesus and is seen. And guess what? God wants to use your life. He wants to use your life to see other people. You may be like, well, that's not really my comfort zone and I don't really know them. Hey, like, just take that courageous step and say, you know what? I just wanted to say... Uh, I'm so-and-so in your name. And, and even just if God opens the door, hey, could, could, I, could I pray for you? Or is there anything going on that you can pray for? There's so much. There's so much going on. Salvation. Pray that God would, we would see lost people come into faith in Christ and follow Him in obedience to believers' baptism. 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And then the last one is that we would be ascending church. Pray that God would raise up missional leaders, missionaries, pastors, church planters to make disciples locally and globally. Pray that every believer would embrace a life of mission where they live, work, and play. As a believer, every single one of us are commissioned to be a missionary 
in our community and in our culture. And I've been so blessed over these past two years. I've been so blessed to get to know some some folks who are trained up in this church, in this local church, and God has used them to plant other churches. That uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a tailgate Sunday, rep your team, great invite opportunity. It's going to be awesome. Bobby McGraw is going to come back and preach on that Sunday. He's one of the sons of this house. Like he grew up here and now God's using him and serving all over the place. He's serving there in Georgia now. That in the past year, we have had missionaries from Denmark who... One was raised up in this church, but God called them to Denmark. Now they're getting ready to be missionaries in Prague. We have a group of missionaries. One grew up in this church, and they are now currently serving as missionaries in Southeast Asia. God, help us to commission people, raise people out, pray them off, be a support to win this community and win the world for Jesus. May we be ascending church. But here's the thing. It may be like, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a church planner. But you are a missionary. <laughs> we all are missionaries. If you've been redeemed and rescued, you've been commissioned. You've been commissioned to go and make disciples. And so God help us to be a sending church. And so I'm going to pray for us. And here's how we're going to wrap up our time. We're just going to take a little time, not, not a long time. But I just want to have a time of prayer. And so as we do, I want to encourage you that if you would feel led... Perhaps God is stirring in you a, a renewed commitment to building your family on the foundation of Christ or, or your life on the foundation of Christ, or rather that's to, 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 to pray specifically that God would do something so big that only He could get the credit for it. That whatever it is your point of struggle is, that God would meet you where you are and give you the grace and strength to put one foot in front of the next. We'll have pastors here who would love the opportunity to pray over you, to pray for you. But that this would just be a time of response to the Lord, whatever that looks like for you and for your family. So I'm going to pray for us. And uh, I want to thank you for coming to celebrate and worship King Jesus today. Father, we love you. And God, we just want to thank you for your grace and your care and for your love. God, I want to thank you that even though we are unlovable at times, you love us no matter what. Your love is unconditional and you pursue us. God, you pursue that love relationship with us. And so, God, I pray above all, you were asked the question. Jesus asked the question, what's most important? Love the Lord your God. God, help us to love you more than anything, more than any earthly pursuit, more than any accolade, more than any recognition, but rather that by your grace, we would surrender our wills to your will, your design, and build our lives on your truth, and that you would be honored, and that you would be glorified. God, I pray, I pray for each of these who have been baptized again, God, just taking that step of obedience, God, that, that you would encourage them in their walk, Encourage their families as they are on the adventure of following Jesus. And God, I pray for the local church, God, to come around them and to be a support to them. Encourage them. Speak life into them. Speak truth into them. Whatever that looks like. And God, I, I pray that if there's anybody here who doesn't have a relationship with you, God, that today would be the day of salvation. 
God, the gospel is the good news. And it's the good news that even though we're yet sinners, that Christ died for us. And that we would acknowledge our sin, turn from our sin, place our faith and trust in you as Lord. And God, you are mighty to save. And so I pray, God, if there's anybody here living apart from a relationship with you, that today would be the day of salvation. So God, as we pray and as we reflect, God, I pray that we would build our lives on you, build our families on you, and build your church, that you would build your church on you. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.